Welcome listeners from Santa Fe, New Mexico at the 2019 Swaya Santa Fe Indian Market. I'm your host, Tani Atonharjo Growing Thunder, and this is the Curating Indigeneity podcast brought to you by Anchor and Spotify. We appreciate if you like and subscribe and also a special thank you to the Swaya organization for supporting today's episode and also our generous sponsors at First American Art Magazine. Yes. Okay. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Dana Warrington. I am half Menominee, half Prairie Band Potawatomi, born and raised in northern Wisconsin, Menominee Indian Reservation, uh, Woodland, Great Lakes Woodland people. Um, this is my third year down here showing Santa Fe Indian Market. Oh, it's great to see you here. And um, Dana and I have known each other for a few years. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're both Powell people and... Uh, I think we've turned the curve now into our expertise of uh, art and uh, inclusion of where where we belong. And so I want to thank you today for being here with us in Santa Fe. And um, before we get started on the big news, um, do you want to kind of share a little bit of your background prior to this point? Okay. um, The the art background for me... um, Definitely, the base of my artwork was power dancing, power regalias, um, that that along with our ceremonial items and you know being able to tie up lodges and being able to make drums. Um, it wasn't until I I would say it wasn't until late two thousand sixteen, early two thousand seventeen that I really considered myself an artist. Um, the the work I did, I always just thought it was culture. You know, I thought it was way of life. Like like a lot of reservation artists do, they don't call themselves artists. They call themselves crafters or, or you know, uh, art art makers. Um, so I think when I was exposed when I was exposed to this life, and I came down here to Santa Fe for the first time in two thousand sixteen as a as a as a guest as a spectator, um, I didn't even know that this world existed. You know, I, I was totally blown away by by the whole experience um but i understood it like everything else in life um you can't do a little bit of everything you know you got to decide what it is you're going to do you got to put your whole heart into it and and along with decisions like that come sacrifice so my power dancing um and things in that area is really what i sacrificed to build my art uh, full-time because there wasn't no doing half of that and half of this you know it, it was one or the other in my in my mind so I sacrificed that to pursue my art on this level and um, I, I still go through go through times you know uh, wondering if you made the right choice when you're sitting there in the mid- midsummer and, and you're and you're working 60 hours a week and you're watching all of your friends just dance and sing and smile and having that good time you know um, I understand what the sacrifice is there but there's situations like this weekend that um, it's it's my way of, of God saying you made the right choice, you're doing the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this this life makes me as excited as standing in the middle of the arena with Northern Creek getting ready to start your song. This life makes me just the, the same level of excitement. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's really what my artwork means to me. Yeah. Well, um, when did you start beating... So I started. I started beating probably at about eight or nine. Um, not really serious, you know. Just like every other little Indian kid, you were kind of putting things together, and it looked ugly, but uh, but you were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really got serious in the beating at about sixteen. 
by the time I was 18, I was, I was uh, creating my own dance regalias, head to toe. Uh, people noticed uh, what my skill level was, so I started taking commission work at that time. So that just became a way of life and a way for me to provide through the winter months when there was no polos going on, a lot mm-hmm. like a lot of other artists. Um, I didn't get into choral work until 2011, um, really picked up in 2012, so the actual craft of choral work is still very new to me, very mm-hmm. new. Um, it, it's self-taught, a self-taught craft, um, so people ask me how I learned it, you know, trial and error. Mm-hmm. You made every mistake in the world, so mm-hmm. you, you learned what not to do more than what to do, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's, uh, that's what's just brought me to, to another level of my artwork. Yeah. Well, in our younger days, we used to, um, I remember your fully beaded outfits and with Potawatomi designs and your sister also, his, his sister's a wonderful artist also. And uh, we're, we all kind of, I think as Woodlands tribes, we're, we there was a time period when we kind of got hung up in having to have the geometric designs like yes, it wasn't yes. you know back in our day it wasn't really acceptable to wear flowers or pucker toes yes. and um but you're you know that influence allowed us to kind of find who we are as woodlands tribes and that's really what i appreciate about your work is because it, it's it's what it means to us our how our identity is brought out and so um at, at what point did you start doing a lot more of the floor work <coughs> So, um, learning all the different um, beating techniques mm-hmm. um, with, with uh, dance regalias, because I would make entire dance regalias, um, I really got into lazy stitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, it's, it's, you can move fast. fast. You yeah. can move fast. <laughs> um, if, you, if you know what you're doing, you can make the work nice and neat. Mm-hmm. So I remembered um, uh, finishing a white set of beadwork that I had um, and it was done in geometrical designs. It was done in lazy stitch. I probably finished it in about four months, head to toe, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember two influential people that were still alive at the time. One was my maternal grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, my late maternal grandmother. And she never had bad things to say about what I did, definitely. She was always encouraging, but she was very honest, too. So the, so the, the, the piece had geometrical designs on it and I actually had some horseshoes on it, you know, that just didn't have no significance meaning for it, but it fit in the space that I needed to fill. Mm-hmm. So when I showed my grandma the, the only positive thing she could say about this new beaded vest I just finished, is she says, uh, I really like the C's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she called them C's, you know. <laughs> she was trying to be encouraging, you know. Yeah. But but I, I, I didn't take it as offensive, you know, but I tried mm-hmm. to understand what she was saying. Another another gentleman by the name of Gerald Hopitas, the late Gerald Hopitas, he passed, passed on a good... Um, four or five years now he was a menominee a a craftsman um, dressed in the woodland style and he used to always encourage me as a traditional dancer older traditional dancer he used to always encourage me and and uh really lift me up you know as as a young man making my own regalias he says um man that's some really he was talking about that same white set of beadwork he said that's some that's some really nice beadwork it looks nice your colors are nice he said but uh but we don't dress that way Mm -hmm. And Sam, Sam again. He wasn't. He wasn't gunning on me. He didn't say it in a disrespectful way. But there's something of what he said that carried with me. Mm-hmm. That said, um, 
these are that's kind of what he was saying without directly saying it these are designs this is who we are this is who you should be representing you know mm-hmm. don't um don't don't sell out to whatever's popular at the time you know mm-hmm. um and i think them them two comments really um put identity on my work because i start striving more to do the prairie floral designs on the potawatomi side to do um, more floral designs for the menominee side and and really showcase who we are you know nothing against sue designs they're beautiful they're they're stunningly beautiful you know but um but i don't have one drop of sue blood in me mm-hmm. you know so i start to understand that part of it and um it just meant more to me to to pursue our tribal designs you know mm-hmm. and I, I never thought i was very good at it to be totally honest you know i mean i can't draw flowers you know i mean like mm-hmm. um but you'd be surprised what you can do once you actually start trying mm-hmm. you know um, so so I, I feel like I'm still learning mm-hmm. I'm still learning floral um, even though I even though I've been beading all my life I'm, and my grandma taught me you know a two needle technique and how to make medallions you know just to, mm-hmm. the techniques but she never sat down and taught me designs and, and all the meaning to this and the meaning to that and mm-hmm. the meaning to that I, I don't feel like I have that knowledge I can't express it in words but I feel like I'm st- I'm um, I've been able to express it through my art. Mm-hmm. So I let that feeling do the talking because I don't always know the words that go on mm-hmm. with it. I, I can't sit and, and look at a vest like this and go flower to flower and tell you the designs and the meanings. I don't have the words for that, but I think mm-hmm. I have the feelings for it. Mm-hmm. So I let them expressions um, yeah. speak for themselves. Yeah. Well, one thing that I always discovered as a, as a floral beadwork artist, um, my husband and I quit doing Indian Market like in 2012 and one of my points of stopping was getting into the conversations where the experts would come and say, well, that's an Athabascan design, or that's a Cree design, or that's a Jibwe design, and we're like, no, flowers are everywhere. <laughs> and that, you know, there's beauty in it all, and that's what we use um, as Muskogee people to identify ourselves of our identity and our power and our healing mechanisms and that's how we identify ourselves and um but how you know do you experience that where people say well that design belongs to so-and-so this is um thinking thinking about that in a deeper in a deeper sense and i know a lot of scholarly people that do a lot of research you know mm-hmm. they, they tend to bless their hearts you know i'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. at all talking bad about them they, um, a lot of scholarly people that do the research and things like that i started thinking about it a little a little deeper you know and I think about it in terms of maybe something is labeled um, 1930s uh, Menominee Woodland style vest. Mm-hmm. Um, but intermarriage was, was going on at that time already. And if a Menominee man, let's say per se, married an Ojibwe woman, and that Ojibwe woman, because of our culture, she follows her husband, mm-hmm. moves to the Menominees to be with them. But she grew up learning from her grandmas and her, her mothers and, and the history of their family. That's the style of beadwork she does, is Ojibwe-style beadwork. Mm-hmm. She wants to dress her husband. So now mm-hmm. she dresses him the way that she knows how. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this Menominee man is wearing this vest. Mm-hmm. And somebody who takes the picture just says, oh, 1930s, that's Menominee style. Mm-hmm. How do we know exactly yeah. what it is, you know? <laughs> And, yeah. and, and I just like to open scholars' minds up to that. Mm-hmm. We don't know everything behind it, mm-hmm. but I, te- I tend to think that um, our Great Lakes Woodland people, we all have the same kind of flowers, the same kind mm-hmm. of designs, the same kind of the dresses, uh, 
you know mm -hmm. and I think they should be respected like that instead mm -hmm. of saying hey that's 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 not Menominee that's Ojibwa mm -hmm. you know and, and people are just too technical yeah about those things. classification yeah. Yeah. And, and I just say uh, recognize it as woodland beadwork mm -hmm. because we're all woodland we're all, yeah. the, we're well, all the same some of our songs are the same yes. and our ceremonies and our dances and yes. sometimes we got the same grandparents no <laughs> I mean, I, and I think, and I think, even to take another step off that question, yeah. how how easy accessible it is for us to jump in an airplane and fly across the country. Mm -hmm. These these art forms and these designs and and all of these things, they're they're crossing, you know, mm -hmm. from one group to another mm -hmm. just because how easy it is it is for us to access mm -hmm. our access we have to those designs, to those cultures, to mm -hmm. those tribes on the other side of the country, mm -hmm. and as a as a craftsman, as a polo person. If we see something that we love and it looks good, we're probably going to do some form yeah, of it, you yeah. know. But that's expression of us and our mm -hmm. tastes and our likes. Um, so I think, like, you know, all these Indian ways are blending across the country. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's okay expressing art, too, you mm -hmm. know. I don't think um, there's something my dad used to tell me a long time ago about dance, and he said dance is expression. Mm -hmm. He said, can't nobody tell you how to express yourself? Mm -hmm. And I've understood art to be the same way. I can't come to you and say, you need to you need to create art like this, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you how to express yourself mm -hmm. in the same aspect. I don't like anyone tell, coming to me telling me that. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll take your opinion, but it's merely your opinion, mm -hmm. you know. And I think artists got to be more encouraging like that to one another, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Indian artists across the board, yeah. people talk about this, this, this art market world being very cutthroat. I'm thankful that I've never seen that yet, mm -hmm. really. Or either I just don't pay attention to it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Juanita and Joyce are some of my biggest, some of my biggest uh, mentors. Um, mm -hmm. They shared a whole lot with me the first few years about how to, how to, um, how to pursue my art. You know, they gave me suggestions. They weren't telling me how to do it, and that's one thing that Juanita said that always stuck to me. She said, uh, "Make art that comes from your area, mm -hmm. from your people." And I didn't understand it at first, but I understand it now. You know, she mm -hmm. was basically saying, "Stay true to yourself." Mm -hmm. You know. And, and I understand that point now. I'm, yeah. I'm not. In, I'm not only here for myself in Santa Fe. I'm here for Woodland people. Mm -hmm. I'm here for my Menominee people to represent us at this level. Mm -hmm. um, so it's that's great. It's huge. Good to see you here. And well, fast forward to Indian Market. Yeah. So 2016 was your first year. 17, well, 16. So. I was here as a as a um, as a guest. Mm -hmm. 17. I was here showing for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and right away, did you, um, did you, did you have success right away? So, um, after my first year at Indian Market, I did an interview with the Tribal Business Journal down in Florida. Mm -hmm. um, they asked me a question at the end of that interview, and uh, she asked me, what, what does it take for a young artist, a young Native artist, to pursue this artwork at the Indian Market level? I went on and I babbled for probably about 10 minutes, you know, I mean, like, running around about way, probably never answered the question. So <laughs> so when I when I read the article, um, I was looking for that answer in there. I couldn't even remember what I said, to be totally honest. And that question and that answer wasn't in that article. I really thought about it, and I thought about it, and I said, how do I simplify that question? Because it's pretty important. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a pretty important question. Mm -hmm. um, I, I defined it, I summarized it in one word, courage. Mm -hmm. You gotta have courage to pursue your art art at this level um, you know my hotel stay is, is roughly $1,200 my booth fee is $700 to fly my wife here is another $800 um, food 
trips, spending money along the way. Uh, as an artist coming from the other side of the country, we are three, three, four thousand dollars in by the time the market starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's the courage to pursue your level at, or to pursue your art at that level. Um, and another thing Juanita shared with me, she said, if you don't believe in your art, nobody's going to. Mm-hmm. You know, that made a lot of sense to me. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough when you work with a showpiece, you know, and it's 250, 300, 350 hours. You look at that piece and you can see every flaw in it. Yeah. You just yeah. do it. That's the artist's curse, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, there, there's always those moments, too, where, where you wrap up a piece to leave for Santa Fe and it gets it's packed away for two or three days and you get it out once you get out here to... Uh, to finish putting it together or to put the finish, finishing touches on it and you just stand back and look at it and and even as an artist you've looked at that piece for 300 hours but it still wows you mm-hmm. you know I mean, <laughs> in a very humble way mm-hmm. you know just mm-hmm. wow wow um, what what it created but it's um, in, in, in your market experience the first year I was out here I, I, I'll just be totally honest when I checked in when I checked in my, my artwork on Wednesday um, and checked in, paid for my hotel for the for the stay I was here. I, I had eighty dollars to my name, mm-hmm. not eighty dollars in my pocket, eighty dollars to my name. Mm-hmm. And and I went through that whole thing the first year, two thousand seventeen. Like, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. I got a loving family that I could pick up the phone, and I wasn't trapped. You know, they would send me hundreds of dollars. They would send me anything I asked for, mm-hmm. but too proud to pick up that phone and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, mom, I'm broke." You know. Yeah. So you just, so I tried to make that eighty dollars stretch as far as I could. That was the first year I came to market. And when I think back about it, that took courage, mm-hmm. you know. And and I was scared, and there was times I cried, and there was, you know, mm-hmm. um, there was all the emotions. Now, the second year I came here in, in 2018, I think I, I had a little bit of an idea of what it was about, but I was still stressed to the end, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I used to get here on Friday, or on, on Wednesday, and I'd turn in my work for the art competition and I'd head back to my room and I'd try to work Wednesday night, all day Thursday, all day Friday, just pushing earrings, bracelets, any little thing you could get out. Mm-hmm. Just push yourself to exhaustion all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. This year, I, I feel like um, I finally matured a little bit to the level by, I would say by Sunday night, by Sunday night or so to, before we were gonna leave on Tuesday, I was just done. Mm-hmm. I'm, whatever I got is what I got right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pack up. I'm going to make this the most enjoyable trip possible. I'm not going to think about what I didn't finish along the way mm-hmm. and enjoy this ride, you know, because you work so hard to get here. Mm-hmm. So to try to spend them last couple, I mean, I know every one of you guys have been there, you know. <laughs> I, artists is a darn liar if they yeah. said they sat in their hotel room and tried to bead, you know, mm-hmm. Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. and, and rushing to try to get this piece done, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you really got to let those things go because mm-hmm. there's going to be another art market down the road, you know. Well, and it makes it worse because we're powwow people. We're used to doing it before Grand Entry. <laughs> on, <laughs> we're man. like, oh, wait, I can finish this for contest. Wait. Be wait. Yeah, like wait. Well, you won an award this this week. Oh. You want to share with us? So we won, we won um, I, I've always um, juried in the beadwork, quillwork category. This is the first year I tried to jury in the diverse art so I, so I, I, I juried in um, in the past years um, I've been fortunate the first year I won a, a first place ribbon best of category and a second place ribbon in uh, accessories for beadwork quill work last year I won um, a first place ribbon on a pair of moccasins quilled moccasins 
So I've never been past the first round, mm-hmm. you know, best of category. Um, I was just starting a, a solo exhibition at Good Folk Gallery yesterday, and all of a sudden this 505 number rings on my phone, you know, so I, <laughs> so I answer it, and he says, uh, is this Dana Warrington? I said, yes, sir. He said, good afternoon, this is um, Ira Wilson, I'm, I'm the president of, of SWIA, you know. So all of a sudden, like, when you get that call, your heart just kind of stops beating, you know, and mm-hmm. you're, you're speechless. So he tells me, that, uh, he invites us, me and one guest, to the Best of Show luncheon. I said, um, so does that mean I won Best of Classification? He says, well, we don't want to announce anything yet, so, uh, you know, just just we're inviting you and one guest to the bench of, Best of Show luncheon tomorrow. And I said, um, well, can you at least tell me, did we win Best of Division? You know, I've never <laughs> been past the first round. And he starts laughing again, and he says, uh, we'll reveal everything tomorrow. And I, I just said, you know, sorry, <laughs> sir. I, I just said, sorry, sir. I said, I'm, I, like, I'm a rookie, you know. Yeah. I've never been past the first round, so mm-hmm. thank you. You know, I'm speechless. And then I was in the middle of my gallery show, so I kind of, like, I was speechless. All these people around, the gallery owners, my family. And I was just like, uh, excuse me for a minute, you know. I just need to walk and, and uh and kind of get catch my breath you know get get myself to, to be totally honest i walked into a, a empty parking lot and jumped around and screamed like a fool for a little <laughs> bit you know just just had to let it out yeah. you know um yeah. but but it really means that much to me mm-hmm. and then last night you know my family everybody goes to bed about 1 one thirty. um i was sitting out on our patio till probably almost five o'clock this morning just in the silence no phone no social media no music just mm-hmm just enjoying the moment and, and thinking about their wild ride the last few years mm-hmm. at the same time praising God giving him glory because I, I believe that we're guided on this road you know mm-hmm. and everything that he's brought into my world um, art wise you know I, I couldn't do these things on mm-hmm. my own definitely yeah. so so it's uh, I'm not sure to give him praise and glory to where it comes from you know but yeah. um, you're taking care of yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 a humbling and thankful experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm almost 40 now, so I'm kind of maturing to the point mm-hmm. where there's more important things than, than vehicles and houses and, and, and cowboy hats and, and mm-hmm. ostrich boots, even though, I, <laughs> even though I want some really yeah. bad, you know, but it, it, it's, it's about the family and it's about these memories and it's mm-hmm. about the experiences and hey, you know, like, I could have bought myself a really nice pair of boots, but I'd rather fly my wife to Santa Fe, you know, and, 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 and share and enjoy this time. It's it's priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's there's different levels of maturity that are coming mm-hmm. in that area. I'm, I'm thankful for it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, my my dream, my goal is to pursue my life, uh, to pursue my art until I'm 80 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be 40 here this September, so like halfway, man. Yeah, like, halfway. Yeah, there. yeah. Meeting there. It's... Go ahead. Oh, well, I wanted to see, um, what is the title of the piece? The, the title of my piece is called Honoring Tribal Traditions. Mm-hmm. So, one thing that I realized um, growing up around a spiritual family, a ceremonial family belonging to our society, it's, um, it's not only like that for us, it's straight across the board, across the country. Those tribal traditions and those sacred stories and those societies... Um, we're having problems across the board as, mm-hmm. as Indian people holding on to those things, you know. Mm-hmm. So many distractions for our young people nowadays. And so as much as we honor the otter and our ceremonies and, and the, the spiritual pieces that, that are attached to that otter, as much as we're honoring that lifestyle, I, I believe we're honoring the, the young men and women all the way across the country that are, that are um, fighting the good fight, mm-hmm. you know. There's, there's not very much 
physical financial money in that area you know for someone to drive nice cars and live in big houses and, and fly across the country and enjoy vacations you know they really um, they're blessed in other areas but to also honor those spiritual people that are holding on to those things tribal traditions you know and being 40 years old now I have adult children uh, we, we get to have grandchildren mm -hmm. but you're definitely thinking about it mm -hmm. you know and, and you get a new perspective on life what is going to be left for them, you know, what is going to be preserved mm -hmm. for them. So th that's really what this piece was about to me. It's about honoring all of that, mm -hmm. um, our Great Lakes people, and everything behind what you do. Like I said earlier in the, in the interview, um, I never looked at myself as an artist. You know, it was, it was crafts. It was, mm -hmm. it, was, it was power regalia, you know, it was the gear, you know, the mm -hmm. dance outfit. That's all these things were. But I realized within these past few years that you, you were learning valuable things along the way. Mm -hmm. um, I can, I know techniques, but one of the, one of the coolest things that life has taught me is um, finish work, mm -hmm. you know, how, how to finish a piece off at the end, construction issues, how to get by them. Mm -hmm. Because you, you know as well as I do that that dance outfit don't always work, you know. Mm -hmm. You're always adjusting, you're always fixing mm -hmm. something, <laughs> and that's really what these show pieces are too, yeah. you know, working through them. Yeah. Well. Where can we find you? Where can our listeners um, find you? Okay, so so uh, I am at six eight two on the plaza. Mm -hmm. um, I'll I'll be out there for for the next two days for winter for winter market. Mm -hmm. um, I have one more show lined up this year at Cherokee Art Market in Tulsa, the second weekend oh, okay. of October. Um, I can be found on the internet at www.youngbloodartwork.com. Mm -hmm. um, the only social media I use is is Instagram, mm -hmm. so you can find me find me there um yeah it's young blood young blood artwork okay so I, I i really um i don't mean it in a negative way or anything but i really try to live my life as quiet as possible mm -hmm. you know um not to try to act secretive or i'm too good or or, or trying to hide my artwork from the world it's mm -hmm. i really just disconnect from social media because um I want my focus on my family. Mm -hmm. I want my focus on my artwork. I want my focus on my own life, mm -hmm. you know. And and social media has just been a distraction in the past. Mm -hmm. um, that's not social media's fault. That's my fault mm -hmm. for being distracted that way. Yeah. I just I just choose not to use it too much. Mm -hmm. um, but we are we have gotten invited to a good number of markets next year, mm -hmm. um, and it's always a challenge as an artist. Can you create that much work in that amount of time? You know, yeah. quality work because. Mm -hmm. When you're at this level, you don't want to show up with, with you know, half a booth, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's a, it's all or nothing type of deal, so you really got to pick and choose what markets you're, you're going to attend, um, what, what workshops you're going to do, you know, what presentations, what mm -hmm. organizations you're going to get uh, acquainted with. So I, I try not to um, make any rash decisions. Yeah. But I'll be here at Indian Market 682 on the plaza okay. on the next two days. Please stop by and visit say hello if you're in the area you know i'd, I'd appreciate meeting you yeah we'll bring you a lemonade and some smokes <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i just remember i think i owe you a pair of moccasins from 100 years ago oh yeah yeah i well i in my defense i've only made about three decent pair of moccasins in the past 10 years because we're both parents and oh, you know man. but and that's part of our you know our biggest yes. part of this is including our kids. Yes. And, you know, I know you guys are really good parents. And 
hopefully George and I are really good parents, but <laughs> but we're grandparents now, oh, wow. and so you know that reality to us is like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, at least I got over the forty-year-old hump. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, we're grandparents now. But you know, tell the kids thank you for letting us steal mom and dad for a little bit. We're on our way back to the babies here. Yeah. In, in a little while, and it's just. Um, you know, I, I looked at I looked at families like the Growing Thunders and, and some of the other families where where the kids grew up in this life, you know. Mm-hmm. And two years ago, I looked at that and was like, wow, you know, wow, what a what a what a blessing to be able to raise your kids. Like they probably don't even understand how fortunate they are, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one thing that I'm really trying to do with my kids mm-hmm. is really trying to get them to understand how fortunate they are to mm-hmm. have this experience. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about praising giving dad glory up and down about bringing me here spending the money you know it's about um, making these memories and these memories mm-hmm. are lifetime lasting don't take for granted that your that your daddy's a Henry market artist you know mm-hmm. um, yeah well you know my mom did market up until the late or late 80s early 90s and i inherited her booth oh, wow. um some some years ago and then uh george did market for a while and then it, it just got to a point where we were like, well, you know, we're really putting a lot of work into our art. We've got these young babies and we, we had to decide. And so we took a break from it because it was at a point where in my academic career, I had to say, yeah. I need to do this for our people as a writer and as somebody who can document it. So this is my contribution back from where Indian Market had gotten me and mm-hmm. where it had contributed to my mom's career. And both George and I, we both grew up on waiting on Monday after market to get school clothes or, <laughs> or uh, you know, eating off of uh, the dime store Frito pies yeah. uh, during the weekend. And um, so it, it's good to raise our kids that way. But, you know, like my girls, they really, they don't know. They just know that at the end of the day, they want to bead, they want to sew, they want to draw. And we don't limit them. We just let them express themselves, and I, your kids are the same way. Yeah. And so um, it's a good thing to rely on market sometimes, too. <laughs> it, it, that's just my opinion. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I want to say thank you, Mado, for being here, and I appreciate you uh, uh, sharing a little bit about your work and your time. And uh, we'll go ahead and close out the podcast. I want to say thank you again to the Swaya organization for hosting us and also to First American Art Magazine. If you don't have your copy, make sure you get a copy and the coverage of what they do for our artists. And thank you for supporting us and our Patreon supporters.